0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Welcome to 1 Billion Raving Fans, a podcast from the people at Waitwell. I'm your host, Shannon Vandermulan. I'm fascinated by the art and science of service excellence. Why do some brands have customers who are so loyal that they act like raving fans? Our guests share their perspectives on customer experience and offer tips you can use to create a culture of fandom around your business. Hello, I'm here today with Brett Colvin, CEO and founder of Good Lawyer. Hi, Brett.
0: Shannon, great, uh, great to see you and thanks for having me on.
1: So just for people who out there who don't know what Good Lawyer is, just tell us a bit about, uh, about your origin story.
0: The seed for the idea Was planted way back in law school when I did a paper on access to justice and just really uncovered some information that I was completely oblivious to prior to then, which was that 77% of legal needs in North America go completely unmet. Meaning, you know, entrepreneurs, just people dealing with issues in their lives, you know, have legal questions come up and they can't access any sort of professional expertise to help them through those trials, tribulations, or, you know, in the business context, really leveling up and growing their business the way they want to. So that was one side of the coin. And then the other side was all the law students when I was in law school, uh, you know, it gets competitive really early on. And thankfully, I went to a a university, I went to U of A uh, up in Edmonton, where there was a lot of collegiality. So it was a bit nicer, but there was still this pressure and this feeling that there was too many lawyers, not enough jobs. And those two sides of the coin just didn't really balance well for me. How could how could there be too many of us, too many lawyers in the profession, yet we're only, you know, helping a tiny subset of people with legal issues? So way back in law school, it seemed like there was something missing. You know, I spent four plus years in private practice at one of the big national firms and I got to see how the sausage was made, so to speak, and just the amount of inefficiencies, the reliance on a billable hour that, you know, most folks don't wanna Buy. That's not how we like to buy services. We like to know how much something's going to cost before we agree to purchase it, which is, you know, how most services are delivered. But in the legal realm, the billable hour has been the dominant model, and that, coupled with the inefficiencies and just the sort of structure of traditional law firms, has really prevented innovation in the space in a material way for a really long time. And Good Lawyers set out to to be that bridge to connect those, you know, in our case, entrepreneurs, startup founders, small business owners with our network. You know, decentralized network of lawyers across Canada who have amazing competency. They have the legal expertise these founders are looking for, but their cost structure—you know, being independents or really small boutique shops—allows them to offer their services at way better rates. And we force them to always be upfront rates. So that's really how we differ.
1: So, so you decided to really focus on on startups in that area of law. Why why go there instead of, for example, family law?
0: If you saw the Good Lawyer platform when we first launched it way back in 2019, uh, we had family law and we had real estate and we offered services. You know, we were trying to be the, the one-stop shop for all of your legal needs. But what we found was we quite simply bit off a little more than we could chew. And, you know, that was something, you know, this is my first startup that I have founded. And there's lots of learning and iteration along the way, a lot of perseverance. But we really saw that after that first year. Our business customers, our entrepreneurs, our startup founders that we were helping, were getting the most value out of the platform by you know far and away. And a lot of the issues that we're trying to solve, you know billable hours, upfront pricing, exist in these other areas, family being a huge one. And you know maybe one day we'll get there. but for now, our platform, the way we designed it, and you know frankly, the interest and skill sets of the team really lended themselves better to focusing on that entrepreneurship bucket. That is a huge market in and of itself, rather than getting distracted and trying to, you know, solve two really big problems at the same time.
1: So you mentioned that you worked for a large national firm for several years. How would you describe what kind of relationship exists between a typical traditional law firm and its customers?
0: You know, I think at at its core, it's still predicated around this trusted advisor relationship. And I think even the senior partners in the in the big shops, you know, they take that relationship, you know, with their big clients very seriously, and they and they want to embed themselves in that CEO or maybe it's the general counsel of a big enterprise. They want to embed themselves as the trusted expert for these important legal needs. And we've tried to replicate some of that with Good Lawyer for sure, because that trusted advisor relationship is so important. But foundationally, you know, the big firm is built off of selling billable hours. And as you start to flow the relationship down from client to partner down to an associate, maybe you've got article and students working on it, there's a disconnect. And the one sort of piece of the puzzle that holds true throughout is just trying to build these hours and indiscriminately trying to build these hours. You know, as an associate in a big firm, I had a set target and it was my goal to find enough work within the firm to hit that target. And it was it just always felt really disconnected from the actual value that you're providing to the client to help them grow their business or or deal with an issue. And that's really where we've tried to move the dial significantly at good lawyer is forcing lawyers to take some risk, provide upfront prices for the services they're going to be delivering, really changes the dynamic because now they're getting compensated based on value creation. Here's your shareholders agreement, here's your employment agreement here's your contract review, as opposed to, you know, how long did I spend looking at the screen today? And if I was a little bit slower today, because I didn't have a good sleep last night, or, you know, I'm getting distracted, the client's paying based on time, as opposed to value. And that's really where I saw the biggest disconnect between, you know, the law firm and their clients when I was in the big shop.
1: I can see personally, as, as a good lawyer client, how that makes a big difference, especially for a startup.
0: It just totally changes the approach, right? Like if you're getting compensated based on value creation, here's the solution you were looking for. I don't care how long it took you. So if you built a really efficient internal process to be able to knock out a shareholders agreement in four hours instead of eight, that's a positive because, you know, you're delivering probably a more consistent and better product at the end of the day. And the fact that you've built this internal efficient system to expedite that delivery is a net benefit. Whereas in the firm context, you would actually be punished for becoming more efficient because now I'm four hours further away from hitting my target at the end of the year because I just created this fantastic workflow, but it doesn't fit within the billable hour
1: context. So the model really doesn't support or encourage innovation.
0: Just on its face, it's so painfully clear, at least it was to me, even in my earliest days as a as a baby lawyer, if I'm getting compensated strictly for how much time I, I spend on something, then there's an obvious incentive to spend more time and an right. obvious disincentive to build processes and procedures to make the workflow and the delivery of the final product faster and better. And, you know, at the end of the day, that was one of the reasons why I, I had to leave. I couldn't move the dial internally. So I had to step away and, and try to build something new with good lawyer.
1: Okay. So, so we talked about, you know, billable hours, obviously, and, and and how that has an impact on innovation, but you know, what are, what are some of the other challenges that traditional law firms experience when it comes to really creating great relationships between clients and, and, and their lawyers?
0: That's a great question, Shannon. And at the big firm where you would think, and frankly, they do have, you know, other professionals coming in, like some BD folks and, an army of assistants and paralegals to help support the legal work. But at the core, the traditional firm, big and small, is driven by lawyers. And I'm a lawyer. I was one of the co founders of Good Lawyer. We've got a number of lawyers on our internal team because that expertise is obviously critical when you're building a legal marketplace. But it's not the only critical expertise that you need within the team. And I just saw that, you know, my. History was growing up within the the big firm context, so that's what I'll draw on. The firm was run by and for lawyers, and frankly, more often senior, more often male, and, and it was run and designed for those folks, and it did not bring in enough of the business savvy, the technology savvy, the customer experience savvy to really deliver Those wow experiences that we expect, 2021 going into 2022, that's what customers are expecting. And the firms have been resting on their long-established relationships at a lot of these huge enterprises for a really long time. But they're starting to break down because expectations are changing, and the firms in the traditional context have been very slow to adopt.
1: I, I imagine that one of these other areas of expertise that you're probably referring to um, are sales and marketing and you know I'm I'm chief marketing officer at waitwell and you know I have to say that your your marketing is just excellent Appreciate and that. incredible when you size of your organization and, and looking at, you know, organizations of much bigger size and what they're doing. So, I mean, you can think of, of marketing and sales as being on the same continuum of customer experience. So can you walk us through sort of the good lawyer approach to, to marketing and content and, and um, how you sort of establish trust?
0: It is a continuum. And for us, the highest sort of level in the funnel, if you want to think of it as like a sales funnel, is education and for us that means free education both for lawyers but most importantly for entrepreneurs startup founders and trying to get in front of them trying to add value to them in this you know legal world where it can often feel like there's a giant void and trying to fill that void with free educational content that's engaging a lot of the times, that's the starting point when it comes to legal services. Is you have to educate folks why they're important and how you know law can be used as a tool and not always just an obstacle. And so for us, that free education is absolutely key. And then I would sort of second that with um, just being authentic and trying to be honest with the wins and the losses along our journey because it's relatable. And for us, you know, our a huge focus of our energy is on. Helping startup founders just like us grow and succeed with their own businesses, and so telling the authentic story of Good Lawyer and where we're at and where we want to go and some of the bumps along the way has been uh, another major driver of I think the brand exposure or the word of mouth that we're starting to see coming in more and more is is a lot of it comes back to telling that authentic story and just putting it out there because startup founders are interested and we just happen to have a service offering that. Pretty much, all of them could use.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I can tell you from from firsthand. I I think I've been aware of Good Lawyer for probably about a year and a half, and was you know really enjoyed some of the free content that you get. I've I've, I've attended some of your webinars and uh, downloaded some of your content, and you know it it really did help to sort of establish trust and help me to understand what I was going to need as a founder when we got to the to the point where we needed you know a USA and a founders agreement, and and so we eventually did end up becoming Good Lawyer customers as well.
0: Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, you're a good lawyer pro, Shannon.
1: (laughs) Uh, Getting there. I'm a firm believer that if you invest in, in really great customer experience, you can, it's something that you can actually build a brand around. Some of the most successful brands are brands that have made a really concerted effort to deliver really great customer experience and to make that part of their identity as a brand. So I'm just wondering, which brands really stand out to you when you think about great customer experience
0: great question again and you know you probably would know firsthand we do put a tremendous amount of emphasis on the customer experience for anyone that uses the platform whether it, you know it's even i would say anyone that interacts with the company more generally whether it's on a on a webinar or you know it's their first advice session or they need you know a large transaction dealt with the customer experience aspect of our business is are one of our largest and fastest growing teams because it is so critical. And for us, one brand that I've watched for a very long time and has really driven a lot of the product insights for my co-founders, Parker and Tom, uh, is Airbnb. I think that you know the customer experience can be viewed from a number of angles. And you know, product is one key piece of that for Airbnb and certainly for Good Lawyer. So trying to deliver a fantastic customer experience with the product itself. And I don't know what Airbnb's early days looked like. I suspect there was a lot of customer experience staff on the phone ironing out issues as they arose and you know putting out fires. But for us, especially in you know a complex and often kind of scary area being the law, the ability for you know our customers to get someone on the phone, navigate the platform or navigate to just the, the perfect lawyer. Is really critical and something that we're never going to move away from. You know, we're we're continuing to enhance the product and trying to drive that experience in a really scalable way through the product. But we know that at the end of the day, we're going to also need to continue bolstering that legal concierge team because the human touch is critical, especially for those early stage founders who maybe haven't had to deal with lawyers before or have been you know turned off by them in the past, and trying to put that human touch on the whole experience has been critical every step of the way for us.
1: So, I mean, a lot lot of people describe what's going on in in customer experience right now as being sort of, um, you know, a bit of a disaster and, you know, things are going wrong and there's, you know, sort of too much automation. Do you think that's true? Do you you see in in other industries over-reliance on automation that's having a negative impact on customer experience?
0: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I think that... uh... Some tools out there have made it really easy to spam your customers with irrelevant information, unwanted asks, and that sort of thing. And you know as a startup ourselves, we've certainly missed the mark from time to time on some of our campaigns. But at the end of the day, I think I think it's a balancing act. I think that there are these tools that allow you to scale your message very quickly, but you have to be really cautious about what that message is. And you need to make sure that, you know, the right people are getting it at the right time and you're not just invading someone's inbox or their LinkedIn or, you know, whatever their, their, their cell phone probably. Yeah, exactly. Their cell phone most notably, that's probably a spam caller right there. (laughs) But I think that it's just, it's a delicate balance. You need to use the tools because it's a noisy world and you need to get in front of people and you need to get in front of them often but you got to be delivering the right message. Otherwise, it's not going to resonate. And in fact, it's probably going to harm you. And you know, one thing we take a ton of pride in at Good Lawyer is our MPS. We've got an MPS of 88, I think was the last mark on it. And compared to, I think, something like a 26 for your traditional law firm, we're definitely kicking ass in that regard.
1: That's amazing. It's, it's interesting because you talk about Airbnb as, as a brand that sort of, you know, inspired some of the decisions that you've made, but I think it's also possible to be sort of negatively inspired. In other words, you know, you, you see what's, what other companies are doing and you can learn a lesson from that. And I think especially, like you said, when it comes to tools. Sometimes I feel like I get emails from companies just because they haven't sent me an email today yet. They don't necessarily have any any message. There's no, there's no call to action. I don't think they actually have any sort of intention or strategy. It's just that you know somebody told them that they need to reach out to me every day.
0: There's no value, right? You need to, you need to constantly add value in, in this noisy world we're living in. And that's what we've tried to do with the free educational webinars every week is try to add value. Show up. We're going to add value to you. It's going to be an enjoyable hour. You're going to learn a few things. And now we're in that entrepreneur, that startup founder's brain in, in a positive light. I think that adding value and just being focused on delivering that all the time is one of the, the keys to the early success that we've been seeing at GoodLawyer.
1: I, I love it. And I can tell you for sure that it's working.
0: The other thing that I would say is on the customer experience sort of perspective, we're a two-sided marketplace. We're not just a pure SaaS product. We do have a subscription offering, GoodLawyer Pro if you're listening to this you should definitely check it out it's fantastic but at our core we're a marketplace that connects these startup founders entrepreneurs with these solo boutique lawyers across the country so we also need to put a ton of effort and something that we've put a lot more attention into in the last 6 months is the supply side of our marketplace the actual good lawyers on the platform airbnb does that they have a host convention or whatever they call it every year And, you know, they're not inviting all the guests to that. The guests are the customers. They're inviting all the hosts. And if I'm not mistaken, paying a pretty penny to bring them all together to drive that host community. And, you know, on the flip side, Uber's run into a lot of trouble because they haven't treated drivers as nicely as perhaps they should have. They've been viewed as more of a commodity than people. And so I think, again, for a marketplace, it's a complex problem set that you're working with but you need to make sure that you're delivering on both sides. And so for us, ensuring that the good lawyers on the platform are having a great time is just as important because, frankly, they're our power users. And by only providing them with a fantastic experience, are we able to do what we do on the other side, which is drive these more affordable upfront prices and keep everybody happy who's playing in good lawyer land.
1: I I, I had thought about your business more from the side of the customers, but obviously I, I hadn't really... Thought too much about the two sided marketplace.
0: Well, and that's like the newest sort of department in the team is one of our earliest guys, Matt Scrivens. Now has is is sort of leading the charge on lawyer outreach to a limited extent. That is some recruiting. Frankly, most of the new lawyers on the platform come through existing lawyer referrals. But making sure that we have regular touch points. You know, you got the follow up call from Good Lawyer after you were a user. Yeah, lawyers are getting follow up calls now. And lawyers are getting more of these touch points to make sure that their experience is up to par as well.
1: And are they are they rating the customers as well?
0: No, we haven't implemented <laughs> uh, customer ratings, but it's something that we've spitballed a number of times and uh, we'll see how that goes. The difference between Good Lawyer as a marketplace and some of the other ones that you'd be familiar with, Uber is a great example.
1: Fiverr.
0: Uber, I don't really care who's coming to pick me up. And you know, the amount of information that needs to transfer to get that job done is pretty low. Need to know where the driver is, need to know where I am, and we need to know where I want to go. And then with that information, we can come to a pretty good solution. With good lawyer, the relationship's just totally different. People don't want to connect with a new lawyer every time they have an issue. They have an issue that's outside the expertise of a lawyer that they've been working with, like, totally fair. And we see that a lot with IP, for instance, you know, we want to bring that IP expert in for some, you know, specific nuanced stuff relating to your trademark or your patent. But when it comes to building the trusted advisor relationship that I kind of referenced at the beginning, big firms have frankly been pretty good at. It's how they drive their business. Customers, in our case, being entrepreneurs, startup founders, they want that trusted advisor. They want their go-to lawyer that they can reach out to and they don't have to re-explain their whole business every time because there's so much information and so much sort of front-end learning for a lawyer when they're engaging a new client. And so for us, developing and fostering that long-term relationship with their kind of go-to lawyer or their go-to lawyers is absolutely critical, which reduces the need to have customer ratings quite a bit again, because you're not gonna be the idea is not to send you to someone new every time where they need to make that assessment. It's to foster these clusters of clients around these good lawyers and And really, you know, maximize the lawyer's ability to to drive that trusted relationship.
1: But you do reach out to to customers at some point during the process to get their feedback. And I assume you're looking for feedback on the provision of the professional services, but also on their experience in using your platform, using the good lawyer marketplace.
0: Yeah. Another one of the guys, Grant, who I think rolled out our initial follow-up call kind of process in the early days. And yeah, it's it's basically religion at Good Lawyer. We follow up with everybody because we want to constantly improve. We want to put out fires if they are if they exist. And we want to learn from, you know, mistakes we made or mistakes the lawyers made in terms of how they're delivering the services, which frankly is so rarely about competency and so often about customer experience. Right. You missed a call. Did you send an apology note? That would be smart. It's it's things like that to make sure that we're getting all of the feedback we can to both iron out issues immediately, but to learn, continue to iterate and improve the product and the the overall experience every day.
1: So why aren't other firms doing this? And, and, I, and I, I shouldn't say that maybe they are, but I just I haven't experienced it personally. So why haven't firms that I've used in the past, I guess I should say, called me to find out what my experience was like and to see if I had any feedback to give them?
0: I think it kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning, which is traditional law firms are, for the most part, run by lawyers, you know, for the benefit of lawyers. And without really being, you know, honest and humble with what lawyers are good at and what they're not good at, it's challenging to bring in the right expertise. And, you know, you'll notice I wasn't the one that came up with the follow-up plan and process on day one. That was Grant. Grant worked at Uber, learned a lot of these best practices. I and, and, you know we touched on the sort of driver issue, but Uber's obviously been successful at what they've done. He was able to bring in a bunch of those learnings into a new marketplace, one for legal services, targeted entrepreneurs, and foster some of those fantastic processes that helped drive Uber's growth that are not now driving good lawyers' growth. And a key one in that regard was, was the feedback and the you know, trying to get the constant loop of information so we can keep getting better because it's a never-ending journey as a startup. You need to keep on testing, iterating, and improving all the time or, you know, eventually you're going to die.
1: In order to achieve that, though, you have to be able to attract The right people and to engage them in your mission. Today, it's 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 challenging in tech, especially you know we we both live in Calgary, and it's not easy to attract the right type type of talent and people who are really going to care about your business and and put forward these great ideas like like Grant's idea about following up with with customers. So, what's your sort of secret sauce there? What does a good lawyer do in order to attract and retain these these people?
0: I plant seeds early and often and uh like that's kind of the the beginning of the strategy and and i think i've with the help of the co-founders and our early folks kind of fostered that mentality where everybody on the team is constantly planting seeds with folks in their network and you know we've grown pretty organically from a friend to a friend to somebody else and we've gone sort of out of our way to recruit a couple people but frankly the vast majority of employees that join You know, I've jumped on the good lawyer rocket ship, have come through a personal relationship, obviously many of my own relationships, but many others too. folks on the team bringing in their friends, bringing in Tom brought in Katie, his fiance. And she turned out to be absolutely dynamite and, you know, leads the leads all the marketing stuff that you mentioned earlier for us, the kicker there. And again, it's kind of one of those legal tools that we're talking about all the time on our webinar series. Equity compensation. All of the full-time employers or employees at Goodware, they own a piece of the pie. And by giving everybody that's really critical to the mission a piece of the pie, you align interests in a way that cash compensation simply never can. So the equity compensation is a piece. Touching, you know, and poking your network to try to bring people that you know have already been following the mission and already have ties to the ultimate outcome whether in Katie's instance it was a co-founder but we've grown really organically in that regard and then i think at the end of the day people want to have fun and they want to feel purpose and they want to be empowered and those are aspects of working at Good lawyer that we feel really super strongly about and that's kind of how i've tried to operate from day 1 is to find people that are smarter than me and empower them to do awesome stuff by giving folks a long leash with some direction, and you know, I'm still working on that sometimes, but giving them the long leash to really see how good they can be has been uh, a major driver, I think, of the overall satisfaction that, frankly, I think pretty much everybody on the team feels, and I think that's indicative with, we've had virtually zero turnover. Nobody quits, good work. <laughs> everybody is on, is on for uh, the long
1: ride. That's really something to brag about. And, you know, on social media, I think all companies want to portray this image that they're, that their team are having so much fun every day. But I do get the sense from, from your social media that they actually are having fun. Oh yeah. What do you, what do you do as a team to have fun?
0: Uh, We like to have strategic beers on Fridays and uh, we just had our, our annual Christmas party on Saturday and it was an absolute hoot. We bring all of our investors together and uh, the team and, Those are like little events that we do to really drive some of the socializing. But at the end of the day, we're flexible. You can work from home. You can work in the office. And people are coming into the office all the time because they're getting FOMO from not getting to hang out with a bunch of their friends on this really cool project. And, you know, we kind of joke. It feels like the hardest, most complex kind of science experiment or school project that, you know, could have this massive outcome and really change the dynamic of the profession in the future. But at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of friends laughing, working hard, because people work very hard over here, I can assure you. But we're doing it together. And it's this really kind of fun, team-oriented environment. And, you know, I grew up playing a lot of competitive soccer. And that's what it feels like to me. It feels like we're on like a high-performance sports team. We have some laughs. We work hard in practice. We go out and show up for the games. But at the end of the day, we're one big happy family. And I think when people get into the good lawyer world and they're working on the HQ, they feel it. So far, nobody's wanted to leave
1: it. Um, I know you know our, one of our, our other founders, our CEO, Lena Martin, and uh, she refers to what you're just talking about there as seriously fun. So when, when we're asked to describe our culture, she always says, we're, we're seriously fun. We're serious, but we're fun. We're seriously fun.
0: I think I may have said that exact line to someone on the team like six, six seven months ago what's your culture we're seriously fun
1: yeah i love it brett it's been great talking to you thanks so much for sharing i love following along with good lawyer i, th- I think you guys are seriously fun and i think you're on to something huge and uh really enjoying following along thanks for joining us today
0: well shannon thanks again so much for having me for anybody listening check us out goodlawyer.ca. we got some uh, exciting new stuff coming out in the new year so shannon thanks again can't wait to connect in person one of these days
1: Thanks for listening to 1 billion raving fans. If you enjoyed listening, please follow or subscribe and tell a friend. Visit www.weightwell.ca to download a tip sheet you can use to create 1 billion raving fans for your business. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically.